I think that human beings are equipped with intuition. And if you start to harness your intuition, you don't need to sit down and go, am I okay today? Am I in the right state of mind? You almost wake up and already know. I think before we want to show up to the world, we need to show up for ourselves. And as soon as we feel like we're off, we need to take the time to stop and do the things that will bring us joy and make us happy. We stand today. The business method with a shadow. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring high-performing entrepreneurs and high-caliber people dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure businesses that can be ran anywhere in the world. And currently, we are interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business, affect income, results, economies, and cultures, especially post-COVID. Since we moved into a post-pandemic world, the landscape has changed drastically for most business owners. We're finding out what is working for the entrepreneurs out there that have positioned themselves well to make sure their businesses thrive, succeed, and continue to experience growth in this current economy. And now, let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. Have you ever seen someone walk in the room and just by their charisma and their energy, they captivate everyone else in the entire room? I once heard about the International Grammy Award winning singer Rihanna. People said even when she was young, she would just walk into a room and she would captivate everyone. When I see someone like that, my first thought is, who is that person and how can I meet him? I know for many people, it can kind of be intimidating to attempt to connect with somebody that everybody is noticing. But for me, my mindset is I want to understand the charisma that person has, and I want to put that person in my friend circle. Today's guest is that person. I first noticed her at a business conference on an island in Croatia full of very successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders. There were a couple hundred people there, and her charisma seemed to be everywhere. I thought to myself, who is that person, and I want to meet her. And so I did. Not surprisingly, she turned out to be a powerhouse entrepreneur and one of the most successful women I've ever met. Her name is Vina Sidhu, and she is currently the founder of Dreamcatcher Enterprise, where her company helps seven-figure businesses scale to eight figures and beyond through systems, processes, and marketing. But that's really just scratching the surface of who she is. Throughout her career, Vina spent a significant amount of time working with and building Mind Valley, one of the world's largest personal development companies. There, Vina was the co-founder and CEO of Mind Valley's external affiliates and partnership startup, which grew from 250,000 a year to 2.5 million in the first year and 4 million in the second year. Her third year at the company, she was made senior partner of Mind Valley Group of Companies and led as director of sales and publishing. She also helped launch its former course platform, Mind Valley Academy, and oversaw operations of multiple other teams, including content marketing, course creation, technology, apps, and events. Vishen Lakiani, the founder of Mind Valley, said Vina is one of the singular best people he had ever brought into the company. Currently, in addition to running Dreamcatcher Enterprise, Vina works with the government of Malaysia on multiple projects. One of the reasons I wanted to bring her on the show was to get into her mindset of how she carries herself with all this charisma, how she operates on a day-to-day basis, her focus, her habits, her daily routine, what keeps her going, what keeps her on top of her game on a regular basis. And I'm really excited to bring this podcast to you guys. Without further ado, Vina Sidhu. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome to the podcast and welcome back to the podcast. I'm very excited for today's show. We have a guest calling in all the way from Malaysia on the other side of the planet. Her name is Vina Sidhu. And uh, Vina, welcome to the show. 
I want to say like one thing that you cannot deny about you is that you have a lot of passion and energy. And before I even knew you personally, um, I kind of noticed this about you. So you're kind of the type of person that walks into the room and everybody just notices her. And you don't know why, but everybody kind of sees you in the corner of their eye and they say, oh, that's a really interesting person. Why do you think that is? Wow. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show, Chris. I'm super excited. And thank you for that huge compliment. Oh, this is a really good question. You know, I think very early on in my 20s, even in my late teens, I experienced a lot of unhappiness when people were in college or in university and then in the workplace, because no matter where they went, people kept telling them how to live their lives. You got to be in school. You got to do this. You got to pass this. When you're at work, then you've got a boss or a manager and something sparked in me. And I just realized that um, whether we're in school or whether we're in work, we're in a particular environment like Monday to Friday, nine to five. So majority of your time is being spent in a very unhappy and non-joy conducing environment. So I kind of made a vow at a very early age that I was going to figure out what happiness was and how to cultivate this happiness no matter where I go. Because if you think about it, if we're unhappy from Monday to Friday, and then we only have Saturday or Sunday to recoup or run errands, we're just gonna be perpetually stuck in an unhappy state. So I was always from the very beginning, very passionate about either being part of, or later I learned building a lot of companies and teams that are conducive to happiness and that will then lead to productivity. So I guess I've been trying to practice this whole thing for the longest time and where I go, I'm just all about joy and happiness and everybody hopefully being able to operate in their genius zone. You know, one of my personal um, success mantras, um, and I'd love to give kudos and Gay Hendricks, if you've heard of Gay Hendricks, he's amazing. He's a mentor of mine, um, is to, my, my mantra is I expand in love, success, and abundance every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. So I just kind of try to take that wherever I go and Life is too short to not have fun, don't you think? Amen. It's definitely too short. Um, so could you remember a moment when that maybe shifted for you when you were younger? Maybe an experience you had um, from unhappiness that uh, something happened and you thought, okay, Vina, I'm going to be happy from here on out or figure out how to be happy and, and experience joy. More yeah, often. absolutely. Uh, it's probably going to sound like a really simple moment, but this was, I was about, 27 or 28 and I was the editor of editor-in-chief of a huge medical journalism magazine over here um, and I was one of those people you know I come from a military background my dad was a colonel in the army so my whole philosophy is if you show up you're going to show up for work and you're going to do it good now as the editor I would be there till late hours I'd be working around the clock you know you're always changing uh, chasing timelines you've got to get a magazine out at a particular time and I remember the general manager started this new program at the workplace where everybody had to come in and punch their card in a machine to say what time they came in. And, and then at the end of the month, he'd put a piece of paper on a board and it would be like percentage lateness, you know, so then it will have everybody's name in the company and their percentage lateness. And I would come in at 9.07 every day, maybe, or 9.05 or 9.10, uh, but having been in the office the whole night before and only coming back at about 10 p.m. and clocking out at 10 p.m. And this thing came up on the board and it was like and I wasn't the only one. Most people had 100 percent lateness and I was like 97 percent late. And that's when I was like, something's wrong with this, because I felt in that moment completely unappreciated, unseen, um, that performance was being measured on when you punch in and punch out, but not by real results. And that's when I think I started holding space. I put it out there and I said, I'm going to find a company that has the same philosophies as I do for what work performance and results is, and also one that places importance of happiness. So I put that intention out there. And then I would say about Three years later, <laughs> yes, it took a while, uh, but you know, during that time, while there were companies that came in my radar, I didn't feel like it was the time to leave the magazine because 
I also wanted to learn everything I knew about every company uh, that I'm in. It's just the way that I work. So I knew that the time was coming. And as soon as I felt like I could run a publishing house in my sleep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pivoting. And so fortunately for me, when there was that whole internet boom and a lot of print publishing was looking at going online, just as my company was resistant to the idea, they felt very um, secure in remaining in the print space and not looking at online publishing or online subscription. Um, I heard through the grapevine of a wonderful company that apparently was just in my backyard uh, called Mind Valley. So a writer who used to work for me at the magazine ended up leaving um, the writer's publishing house. That's where I was. Um, and... Um, joining Mind Valley and said to me, Vina, every single thing that you've ever said about company happiness and productivity and, you know, this new way of looking at building brands and companies, um, I met them. They're called Mind Valley. You might want to check them out. And then I did. And the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> um, I've been playing with this concept that I think you'd like a lot. Um, it's about... Uh, you know, I'm a very happy person as well. And, and I like to make other people happy that are around me, you know, when we're at conferences or events or hanging out or with the team or family, whatever. Um, and I've been playing with this concept of um, being in joy, like how often we can be not uh, like in the state of joy and experiencing that and then shifting from a state of non-joy to shifting to a state of joy and the things we can do to make that process happen quicker. And um, I love that because it's the same thing essentially that you're talking about, you know, experiencing uh, unhappiness when you were younger and then shifting to that and finding the place, the environment. But it is very dependent on environment, right? Yeah. Um, if you're in a prison where nobody's happy and you're in solitary confinement, you know, and you're being abused is very hard to experience joy on a regular basis, unless you're like a super monk or something. Um, but, uh, but putting yourself in the right environment and surrounding yourself with the right people can change that. And that's essentially what you got when you moved to Mind Valley, right? It was, the environment was much different. Yes. It showed me possibility. Essentially, I think that when you change the way you look at things, the things you see will start to change. So before your external world can change, your internal world needs to change. And so it took a few years for my internal world to change. And then I started to see the external world very, very differently. So stepping into Mind Valley just showed me possibility. Uh, but I always knew that there is more, you know, and I think it goes beyond your workplace. It's a way of being. Now, I love this thing that you you say about this state of joy, you know, uh, going back to Gay Hendricks, he, he has this, you know, he's got this great book, it's called The Big Leap. And in The Big Leap, he talks about how, you know, everybody's psychological state is conditioned, uh, you know, perhaps the first 10 years of their life or, or whatever that is, the key things that happens in your life when you're seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, up until that stage. And this is where our thermostat for happiness gets set. Based on the things that we see, our thermostat gets set somewhere, you know, we decide where that level is. Now, as we experience life and as we experience joy, we may go beyond that thermostat, something that's super happy that we've never experienced before. We go beyond that thermostat, but without realizing it, because we have this internal thermostat, we recalibrate and that recalibration could sometimes mean sabotage that recalibration is just trying to distract yourself from something happy than looking at something that just kind of brings you back to that lower state of happiness which is a subconscious thermostat that you set for yourself now the question is how do you break through this thermostat and this is what Gay Hendricks calls the upper limit problem right because this is your thermostat level and when you go beyond that that's the upper limit problem every time you go above that limit you have a problem and you bring yourself down to that so he says that with this thermostat that we don't realize that we have we experience life with extreme joy then extreme sadness, extreme joy, and then extreme sadness. And we go between this limbo thinking that it's okay. You got to have high highs and you got to have low lows, but that's not true. So Gay Hendricks then says, 
It is possible to live in a perpetual state of joy. And the way to do this is to identify what your upper limit problems are. Now, say for example, you know you have an upper limit problem if, if you say something like this, oh, my work is great, my money is great, but I just can't find someone to love. Or I've got the perfect family, I've got the great job, but damn, this pain in my neck, it just doesn't go away and I can't work out and I've got this health problem. Or every time you say your life is perfect in a particular area, but it's not in another area, then you know that there's an upper limit problem lurking because what's keeping you from being committed to fix those areas that are not going well. So yeah something to think about i love that so when you realize you have an upper limit problem what do you yeah. what are the things that you do personally to to break through that and shift that well i think it's the mental conversation that you have with yourself we need to learn how to step outside ourselves and look at ourselves like a specimen or maybe our best friend or a little child under the age of 12 that you want to give advice to uh, to step back and say I believe that I'm dealing with an upper limit problem and I'm going to go inside and see what that's about. I think a lot of times we don't want to admit we have a problem. I remember the first time I, I jumped into this conversation with Gay, we were on a call and he was like, so what are your upper limit problems? I don't. I, and I was like, I'm special. I'm yeah. gay, but because you're important and you're smart and you're like, but because you're important and you're smart and you're successful, I'm going to take that question seriously and let me get back to you on that. And I started to think about it. And then I realized that if you ask me how my friendships are going or how my work is going or how my money is going, my answer would always be great and amazing. But then there were areas in my life that weren't going well. You know, some really close relationships to me, perhaps people who were the closest to me. I may not have been honoring those relationships as well as I could. Uh, my health was on the sidelines. You know, I would like work so hard I'd forget to eat or I'd have a pain in my body and not address it. And, um, I would always say, no, but I'll worry about that later and I'll do this and, you know, everybody will understand. But I just realized that that was an element of myself that I was not caring for. And that is in itself an upper limit problem, because how can I be in a perpetual state of joy if I love my work, but I'm doing it with this shooting pain going down my neck or my arm and, you know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So then, OK, so you have your you, you've recognized your upper limits. And then, yeah. so, so what do you do to shift those, to create new habits around there? Do you say, okay, so I have this pain in my neck, so I'm going to start a yoga class or I'm starting to do yoga once a day. What's your process for that? Well, it's a couple of things because everything connects to each other. So if you're having safe, let's use health as an example. So my work and life and everything's going great, but my health may not be so great. It's beyond me not addressing my health. There's a motivation factor that's missing. There's a drive that's missing. Essentially, there's a commitment that's missing, right? You, you are committed to making your business successful, but why are you not committed to making your body successful? So it goes beyond just saying, all right, here's the top 10 things I'm going to do for my health. It's the why behind it. So having to go deeper. And then when you understand that this is a form of self-sabotage because you're not you, you haven't broke through your upper limit problem. Going deeper means identifying the things that do bring you joy and how do you go deeper in that? So the, I know this sounds a little bit complicated, but it really is so simple. So like, and I have to go back to Gay again because he's a huge influence in this space. And I think everybody who's listening right now should check out Gay Hendricks and his books. And so there, we operate in four states. We have our zone of incompetence, our zone of competence, competence, our zone of excellence, and our zone of genius. Now, a lot of times, we're stuck in that first three. We're operating in our zone of incompetence. We're having our zone of competence and our zone of excellence. But the more we just operate in this state, it will never bring us joy because we're not truly living in our zone of genius. So trying to figure out that zone of genius is the journey that you need to get at before or you then even say, here are the problem areas in my life and I want to fix it because you want to start to live in your zone of genius 100% of the time, not just 2% of the time or 5% of the time. So the work that you need to do is to figure out 
where you feel like you're in a zone of genius, where nothing feels like work, where it always feels like play and you're in a state of joy, get to that state. And that somehow is a kind of a catalyst or it fuels your commitment and focus for the other areas because you enter into a space saying, I'm going to address this, but you come with joy and love versus frustration or, um, you know, any mental blocks. What do you do to keep your mindset strong on a regular basis? What's Venus process of recognizing when you're not in a good state of mind and then shifting to that? And also what's your process of continually growing your mindset and expanding your mindset? You know, I think that human beings are equipped with intuition. It's just a God-given gift. And somewhere in life, we mute our intuition. And if you start to harness your intuition you don't need to sit down and go, am I okay today? Am I in the right state of mind? You almost wake up and already know. And going back to commitment, I think before we want to show up to the world, we need to show up for ourselves. And as soon as we feel like we're off, we need to take the time to stop and do the things that will bring us joy and make us happy. And that, again, by the way, is another process because without realizing it, we're paired with a lot of guilt. So if you wake up one day, and you know, you got 10 things you have to do and you've got a team and companies are waiting on you for stuff and you're not feeling right and you want to take time out. You just kind of feel like, well, there are people waiting on me, they're this, they're that. But that's the mindset that we have to block, because if you can say, look, I'm going to set aside 15 minutes and I'm going to go 100 percent in this 15 minutes and do what I need to do for myself. Or I'm going to be honest and I feel like I need a whole day and I'm going to take a whole day and everybody's going to have to be okay with it. Um, one thing I like to ask myself is like, are we going to have to call the cops, the fire department or an ambulance for this situation? And if the answer is no, I just kind of take a deep breath and I step back and I just kind of do what I got to do. And to answer the question on what Vina does when she needs some time out, I watch a hell of a lot of TV. Do you? What do you watch? I do anything and everything. So I'm on Apple TV, Hulu, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and I'm just perpetually browsing. And so my state to observe myself sometimes is to also observe what's happening outside at the same time. And then in the background, I'm processing uh, what's going on with me. So that's what I do for myself. If I just want to feel like I'm showing up for people too much and not showing up for myself. What do I love to do? I love to watch TV. But when I really need to reflect where, you know, there's a situation that's come up that's, say, particularly triggering or maybe um, a difficult conversation needs to be had either internally or with another individual, then I'll take the time out and I will sit in absolute silence for about 30 minutes to an hour and just see what thoughts come to mind and ground myself that way. Are you meditating during that time? Like eyes closed? deep breathing or are you just sitting in a chair staring out the window? Well, meditation for me is the art of stillness and focus. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's a form of meditation. So even if you're walking around the block and you're very conscious about the walk and the things that you're seeing, that's walking meditation. That's a form of meditation. So I sit in silence. I do close my eyes. I take a lot of deep breaths. I let my thoughts flow. Sometimes I open my eyes, then I write stuff. But the fact is I've decided to focus on what's going to come through and that art of focus is meditation in itself. I like that. Um, is this something you practice on a daily basis? Yeah, I watch a hell of a lot of TV every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, are you, so are you doing, uh, I guess you could say traditional style of meditation on a daily basis when you wake up, go to bed sort of thing? Well, not necessarily when I wake up or when I go to bed, but at some point during the day, I definitely take some time out to sit in stillness and see what's being channeled. So that's definitely something that, I do every single day. I kind of tap in and say hello to me and I have a little speech for how I want to show up for the world. And then I just kind of do that. Do you use a, um, a visualization process too when you meditate? Only when I feel like I'm dealing with a specific problem. So if there is an issue that kind of like, I'm not sure, should I go left or should I go right with this issue? I sit in meditation and I imagine either scenario and I see the sensations that, go through my mind or my body and then I make decisions based on that so that's the only time I would do any kind of visualization when I'm imagining current scenarios and trying to understand how I feel about those decisions on a deeper level 
Where do you get your your passion and energy, Vina? Um, is this something that you had when you were a little girl as a baby, you know, inherited maybe from your father since he was a commander in the middle? Commander in the military, right? Colonel. Colonel in the military, colonel. yeah. Where does that come from? I think I'm really lucky to have amazing parents and I come from a very unique family background as well. My parents are 20 years apart in age. So my dad's born in 1941 and my mom's born in 1960. So that makes them actually 19 years apart in age. And I think their huge age gap introduced a very interesting dynamic in our family. My dad's a very open-minded modern thinking man and at that time if you think about it like in the late 70s when he met my mom when she was a teenager she was being enforced ideas of what a woman should be and how she should live her life and then comes this guy 19 years older than her who showed her the world and that she could be whoever she wants to be so we grew up in that environment and so we had my dad for all the structure stuff and then we had my mom for all the fun stuff and with my parents you know they're both artistic. My dad loves to read and write. My mom loves to draw. She became an entrepreneur when I was a teenager. She went into fashion. And we were always encouraged to have a voice. My parents raised us to not see gender or race. And so I think that anchoring really helped. So there was a good foundation there. My parents always raised us to say, oh, who gives a damn what other people think? Tell them to go and fly a kite. That's like the, I remember that so much from my kids. Tell them to go and fly a kite. And so I was lucky growing up, I think, and even now as an adult, I can't help but care what people think, just like all of us, because there's part of that programming that, you know, people call you out on social media, you know, re regular media, anything, you know, you feel like you're being held to a particular standard. So I still struggle with that, but it's so reassuring to know that even if I did something and I said, everybody can fly a kite. I'm going to pursue this. I know my parents always have my back. And so I think as long as you have a group or a community that holds space for you, you can do anything. So I think that kind of helped with that joy and the quest for joy. Do you have a regular goal setting process? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think it's super important. Um, you know, it occurred to me as I hit the executive level in companies in my late 20s, a lot of us would do these exercises and goal set for the companies. But then why were we not looking at ourselves like a company and doing specific goal setting exercises like that? Every time someone did goal setting ex exercises for themselves, it was always like seemingly very personal, which I think is really important. Uh, but what if we looked at ourselves as a company and we goal set from various angles and elements. And so every year um, I try to sit down and I redo my goal setting exercises. And my favorite one to do, it's the most simple, I like to keep things simple, is Mind Valley's three most important questions. Um, I've been practicing it for so many years and it doesn't get old. It just kind of, it becomes a beautiful exercise to pull, I think, a lot of subconscious thoughts out of you and what's so beautiful about this exercise is that it doesn't take more than three minutes there's a great youtube video out there i think anybody listening can google mind valley three most important questions and you should see a 20 minute video um, instructional video with vision lakiani but really the exercise itself takes about three minutes or maybe it's 21 maybe it's a uh, nine minutes, maybe three minutes for each, each section, but you get a piece of paper and you break it up into three columns. And that is, um, it's what I want to experience, how I want to grow and how I want to contribute. And so you break things down into those three columns. And uh, yeah, I do that every year and I look at it and I do it with my friends and my family. And then we compare each other's three most important questions. And we try to support each other on those goal setting stuff that everybody's put down for themselves. Someone may have put... Um, I want to learn um, how to build my business in a particular way. And then you look at that and you go, oh, I can help you with that. And I'll do that. And I might have something on my list that says um, I want to get, get my neck strong. And then someone goes, oh, I know a doctor that you can speak to or someone. And then everybody just kind of helps you kind of make your dreams come true. So, yeah, that's the one goal setting exercise that I do every year without fail. Also very important to have a support group that can support you in those, in those goals, right? 
Absolutely. And so even when I hire for my company, when I work with individuals on my team, uh, the three most important questions is something that I do with everybody as well, because I want to understand their mindset and the, the way they think. And while I'm grateful that we're working together and they're helping my brand and my business grow, I also want to be able to help them make their dreams come true. So by seeing their list, it really makes helps me even connect the dots when with how to place them in certain jobs or where to put them and you know, what will they enjoy and what can they learn from that will then tie back to their three most important questions. And I can imagine that makes them feel uh, like they're important in your life as well, too. Yeah. And, and, and I like to call these dream talks and I've been doing them for so many years. And so once a month, I'll sit down uh, with someone on my team and we'll just talk about what their dreams are and what they've been going through in the last month. And let's pull that sheet out again and let's see if there's anything we're checking off here, you know? Very cool. Very cool. Let's see, what are you learning about these days, Vina, that has kind of surprised you? Like, you know, you're, you've been in the personal development space for a long time and now you have your businesses. Um, what's something, like I'm constantly fascinated with like neuroscience and everything that comes out about neuroscience, new studies, I'm just blown away, I'm reading it, I'm soaking it up, I'm teaching people. So, so what's something that's come across your plate that has really kind of shocked you and um, something that you uh, have a, a bit of a passion towards and but helps you learn and grow as well? That's a great question. So 2020 has been a very interesting year. Don't you think so, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> boring. Most boring year I've ever had. <laughs> I read somewhere that, uh, you know, there was this, uh, oh, it's a, it's a picture of um, all the clearance items in a, in like a supermarket. And there was like, 2020 journal all the 2020 journals were in the clearance bin <laughs> nobody wants a 2020 journal well you see so 2020 has been super interesting and um interesting in the sense for me personally was because at the end of 2019 I made a very conscious decision that starting 2020 I was going to cut, cut my work in half and cutting my work in half and cutting my time in half meaning I was only going to work maybe 15 to 20 hours a week and I was going to commit to seeing what came through when I had this additional space in my mind and in my life. And I knew something was coming through. Uh, little did I know that something was COVID-19, which in a sense at first was a complete blessing. Well, it was a complete blessing uh, through and through that I had the available time uh, because with lockdown my son wasn't in school and suddenly I had to be there all the time with him around and so I got to spend this amazing quality time with him and we did a lot of fun stuff and um, so being available for that was good and then he goes back to school I mean lockdowns lifted goes back to school and I still have this time and I go deep into my mentorship with Gay Hendricks I decide that look I'm just going to go really deep right now and see what starts to come through I mean like let's go deep on these upper limit problems let's try to figure out like how can we enhance the genius zone and so the first thing that really shocked me for 2020 was me realizing that I thought I knew who I was but there was so much more to Vina. So it was really good to go deep and see new sides to myself, like how I want to show up in my business and how I want to operate. And so that's where I made a conscious effort that, so midway through 2020, I was like, everything that I do is going to be 100% in my genius zone. And so I know what makes me excited and that's content, that's education, that's positive programming I decided I'm going to enter the space of positive programming now I know I probably can't use the word programming because some people might find that a very sensitive word uh you're programming people uh so I kind of drew the line on who I would work with and what I would work on and so coming with that there was a space that I have been exploring and um it's in the kids education space and kids content and we we're really looking at physical products um, you know, books and things that are textured and whatnot. And then 2020 also, as I started to reimagine myself as an entrepreneur and a businesswoman, I started to reimagine every single business that I was dabbling in. And I just realized that technology is the space to play in. And I've always been playing with technology, but I've decided that everything that I'm going to build from here is going to have some element of technology because 
if I was going to go into this kid space book, for example, and I was looking at physical books and physical products, if you think about lockdown, manufacturing can get affected, manufacturing costs get affected, shipping, shipment, this, that, blah, blah, blah. So how do you create a product that can transcend all of that, right? So, and technology is the answer. I think a lot of us knew we were getting closer to this, um, um, this technology point, um, and, and I think that time is here and 2020 has just showed us that. So that's the new thing for me, I think really going deep in technology. And so even with the businesses that I consult in, my consulting focus has also been now pivoting more towards technology, looking at the apps, looking at the platforms um, and yeah, some of that kind of fun stuff. What the 2020 has been such an interesting year, hasn't it? We'll never forget yeah. this one. Um, what's one lesson, Vina, that, that you've learned that's really impacted your life that uh, may not be like such mainstream wisdom or teaching? Um, you know, so now, you know, meditation is a big thing, personal growth, health, um, you know, quotes from Tony Robbins, Vishen Lakiani, you know, are kind of mainstream these days. What's something that came across your plate that kind of surprised you and had had an impact on your life that wasn't so mainstream? Gosh, you mean for 2020 specifically? No, just in your life. Anytime. In my life? Yeah. Yeah. I think the most obvious thing, and I'm seeing it now as I connect the dots backwards is never burn bridges. And this is such an important thing that I think a lot of us forget. And when I say never burn bridges, I don't mean just not saying nasty things about people or sabotaging people or cheating them or things like that. Not burning bridges is actually a really huge subject in itself. And I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, a lot of times as we're trying to figure ourselves out, we will be unhappy in certain elements and we'll have all these triggers. I think the more grounded you are, the more you actually see peace and experience peace no matter where you go. But prior to that, if you're not grounded and you're not sorted out on the inside, like I said, your internal world tends to reflect what's going on in your outer world. And so a lot of times people could be in teams or organizations or relationships that are not working for them or are triggering them. And choose to blame it on the environment. Now, while they're blaming it on the environment, they might go to somebody else and say, oh, I was working for this guy and he's like that. Or I was doing this with this company and they're like that. But without realizing it, whether they hear back that you've said certain things about them energetically, you're already burning bridges. I think if we can have the mindset that no matter where we go, our environment is just always a mirror reflecting to us what we need to know and everybody's your greatest teacher, even if it was the boss that you couldn't stand or the CEO that rubbed you the wrong way or that the business manager you hired to run your company, if you can just kind of thank them and the experience because it taught you what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you don't want, where you need to go. That I think becomes such a beautiful energetic vortex that you see that payback sometimes years later, because years later, the people you don't harm energetically or verbally or physically, they come back to you with the proposal or the limb or a network or an introduction or something that now makes sense for you where you are in your life. And so everything flows in that nature. So it's so hard to understand the concept of not burning bridges when you're very young because you're just kind of brashful and you've got this grit and you want to go. Uh, and then you only learn later on in life that, oh, damn, I wish I could have. It's like sun damage. It's like you don't want to be in your 50s and like, damn it, I should have used sunblock. Like in your 20s, you don't get why they tell you to use sunblock. In your 20s, you're not going to get why someone's going to say, don't burn bridges, see the blessing in this situation. But I think if you can take that journey, yeah. So I would say that's the number one thing because now when I... In my late 30s, I'm going to be entering my 40s in a few months now. Congratulations. Um, oh, God, the reward. Thank you. I'm so excited. 40s is when we become legends, right? So 20s, you have adventures. 30s, you become men and women. 40s is when you become legends. So congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. 
Thank you. And I think a lot of us in our late 30s also kind of go through that where we were like, look, I've I've been operating in my zone of competence and my zone of excellence and I've been doing it so well. And what got me here, I don't believe is what's going to get me there because what's next? And so I think as we're in our late 30s, this is where we really want to reimagine our lives and be able to compartmentalize our talents and skills and joy and then make that huge pivot, hopefully with confidence and authenticity in, in our 40s and beyond. Savina, I love the concept of not burning bridges. This is something also that I've worked, you know, very hard my entire life not to do, um, to always look at the other person's point of view, put yourself in their shoes, understand what they're going through, try to find a civil um, split or a civil uh, way to go uh, separate ways. But sometimes, um, even if we're not burning bridges, people burn our bridges. And so, um, you know, within the past couple of years, I can think of a couple of people that have burned my bridges. And so it doesn't make me want to really um, care too much about like whatever they're up to or whatever, whatever things they're on to the next. So has, has anybody ever burned your bridge? And then how do you handle that energetically um, within your own mindset? How do you handle that if somebody burns your bridge and you just don't care to ever engage your work or think about that person anymore? Yeah, of course, people have burned my bridges. Damn. I mean, looking back, who doesn't do that? And I'm sure I've, I, I'm sure despite me saying I don't plan to burn bridges, I'm sure I've burnt bridges along the way myself. I think, you know, uh, you know, a, a great book to read is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And in it, I think he just kind of just breaks it down in such a simple way, like how you can just kind of look at life. And one of the agreements is, it's not personal. So a lot of times when somebody comes at you at something, even if they say something personal and it could hit you below the belt or maybe they've dishonored you or even maybe even stolen something from you or, you know, disrespected you in some form, it actually is not about you. It really is about what's going on with them and, you know, hurt people hurt people. And so I think, I'm not going to be a sucker for abuse, so I'm not going to sit there and take crap from someone, but I can send them love and walk away. And like my parents said, go fly a kite and do it over there and uh, fly a kite over there. And I'll fly my kite over here. And one day if our winds cross again and we and we meet and we're in a, a new phase, because I believe we should give people chances. We're always changing. We're always growing. We're always evolving. Uh, if your paths cross again, just always be open. Listen to your intuition. Do you feel good about this person? Do you feel bad about this person? Do you feel like anything's changed? And then just have the discernment and make it from there. But I don't think we need to get hung up on, I think a lot of people get hung up on, does the world love me? Or what do people think about me? But I think at the end of the day, if you just love yourself and you you are your own best friend and people can see the love you give yourself, they will want to give that same love to you. Absolutely. I like that. Go fly a kite. You just go yeah, fly it over go there. Yeah, fly a kite, man. <laughs> um, so I know like you, you've worked really hard, especially recently, to, to open up the creativity for entrepreneurship with partnerships, elevating your brand. Um, you're working with the government of Malaysia. And so what are some ways, you know, I think we get as entrepreneurs, as anybody just gets, we just get used to doing things our own way. Um, because that's what we know and they've worked and they become our habits. Um, so what are some ways that you continually stay open and creative to create new partnerships, to create new business, to create new mindsets, um, in your life on a regular basis? You know, first of all, I think I can't stress enough how important education is, self-education is. And we should, no matter how successful we feel or unsuccessful we feel, we should just always remember to show up with the mindset that there is someone smarter in the room than I am. And we can do this by, you know, being very open when we are speaking to our teams, trust that the teams are smart. You're going to learn something from them, get the online courses to do the, you know, business courses, read up on articles and magazines, go to business masterminds and through exposing myself with education and reading materials and business masterminds, I started to hear about different ways of how different entrepreneurs operate. And so then my mind starts to get open to possibilities. I think a lot of times we become entrepreneurs and then we learn from 
entrepreneurs that we think are successful and then they do things in a particular way and then we think that's the only way to do it. I'll give you a great example. When I left Mind Valley, I started a consultation company. That's what Dreamcatcher Enterprise was. And so a lot of executives coming out of huge corporate structures, yeah, they go into consultation and then they think, well, I know so many successful consultants. I'm just going to be a successful consultant for the rest of my life. But there's only so much that you can do as a successful consultant. I mean, their time's a factor and then revenue is going to get capped if you only have 14 hours in a day to work maximum or 16 hours, whatever it is, you can only make as much of make as much back on the time that you put out. And so I realized that there was a cap then. So started to speak to people who went beyond a conventional model. And so I kept my eyes and ears open for opportunities. And one thing that hit my radar, I would say a year into starting my consultation company and starting a second company actually called Tribe 47. That's a, um, digital marketing strategy team recruitment based company that was out of Poland. Um, I started to hear of government licenses, you know? So for example, my mindset was, I'm going to be an international consultant. I'm going to work from home. I'm going to jump with companies in the US and Europe and Asia. And then I was like, well, I never really thought about what consultation for what consultation locally could look like and how I could take it to the next level. So I heard, I learned through the grapevine that companies could apply for what we call ministry of finance licenses. So when you apply for a specific license, then you can deal with the government. I mean, you can't just go to the government and say, I've got a rebranding proposal for you. And then they sign it with you. You have to have a particular license to even be able to present the idea. And then when they give you the contract, you have to put in a bond, you have to put in X amount to, in, in a bank account to say, this is my bond and my commitment to this government project. And so I heard about them. I didn't heard about that, didn't know the details, but applied for the license anyway. Applied for the license anyway, gets approved. And then, um, so that was one thing, being open to opportunities, applying for license. But then the next part came, well, who was going to be the person that was going to execute on this? Now, a lot of times when we are entrepreneurs, we want to be the person that touches and builds everything. But another thing that I learned in, in a business mastermind, and I have to give kudos to Lee Richter. If you know who Lee Richter is, she runs Lee Richter Communications. Um, she said, why do you always need to own everything that you touch? Why can't you say, I want to do this, but I'm going to give 95% of the business to these guys. Trust that they're smart. Let them do what they need to do. And I'll keep my 5%. I learn in that process. I make some nice cash on the side. Um, and my brand, my company gets exposure. And so holding space for that uh, came across a great company here in Malaysia. They call 33.3, three guys, uh, designer, production and music, some of the biggest players in the country. And so they were just starting to go on their own. And immediately the government started going to them for some work. And they didn't, they had to move so fast on a project that they didn't have time to apply for a license. And then I'm sitting over here going ding, 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 yo buddies, let me tell you what I got in my little bag of tricks over here. And so I had the opportunity to partner with them and they they get involved in some really great projects. So for example, they're the official drone Intel kind of partners out here in Asia. If you know Intel as a company have this amazing drone technology, which could be an amazing substitute for fireworks, you know? So it's like you put like 50 drones in the sky and you can do all these amazing patterns. And they had um, already did a very successful launch with Disney for the Avengers launch out here in Kuala Lumpur, where they kind of like ambushed the sky and all the Avengers character faces like Iron Man and the Hulk and all of these things were coming up in the sky. And so the government paid attention to that and, and proposed two big projects. One was um, to launch Tourism Malaysia in 2020, which was on New Year's Eve. So we got to do the huge light show for that. Um, and uh, the other one was working with one of the states here in Malaysia to uh, the states that were going to be the state of Johor was going to be hosting the Malaysia sports, national Malaysia sports. You know, we have our own national sports. It's called Sukma. Uh, they were going to be hosting it. And so they wanted to rebrand their state 
sports state uniform and merchandise and logo. And then they wanted to have this big launch in the stadium with the drone show. So getting involved in things like that. And I don't do anything except I get to sit down with a bunch of smart guys and hear what they're doing. And then they pick my brain here and there. And so I get exposed to a lot of things. But yet, you know, it's what adds to the valuation of my company in the end. So so um, what I would say to a lot of entrepreneurs is, Start with what you know, but be open to being open. And luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So there were things that I did at the very early on, like applying for licenses, applying for licenses, or networking with someone who may not be in my circle. Maybe they're not in the online education space. Maybe they're in fintech, or maybe they're in um, they 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 rebrand government projects or or things like that. Just kind of being open to being open. And then as time passes, you see how you can connect it all together. I love that. What keeps you grounded? I like to do a little mental exercise every once and again, when I feel like, you know, am I grounded? Am I not grounded? What's going on is I sit in meditation and I imagine that this is my last day. I imagine that today's my last day on earth and I'm going to die tonight. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm not going to wake up. And so I start to think about how I'm leaving the state of everything in this moment. How are things going on with my son? What's going on with my family? What's going on with my friends and my colleagues and my peers? And am I going to die happy? Am I going to die proud? And if in that moment I feel like I'm not happy or proud, then I know that there's something that I need to fix. And something about feeling like this could be your last day and you're saying goodbye and thank you and you go through that whole thing is such a grounding exercise, especially when you know, you're doing a meditation, you're imagining that you're going to die. Then you're like, holy shit, what if I'm manifesting this and I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I really don't wake up? And then you wake up in the morning and it's like looking at the world through like rose-colored lenses all over again because you're like, oh, thank God I woke up. I didn't get that heart attack. I didn't manifest my death. And I'm grateful for what I realized yesterday. So I would say that's my grounding exercise. Every time I feel like I'm going off track, I sit there and I imagine that this is my last day on earth and how do I feel about that? Very humbling. Yeah, some crazy shit, man. Wow, that's powerful. You might need to smoke yeah. some weed and drink champagne uh, afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, I made it. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm still alive, spark a big one. <laughs> <laughs> wake and bake, wake and bake. Yeah, wake and bake. WB, um, we call it WB. <laughs> um, daily routines. Daily routines. So being out in Kuala Lumpur, I need to jump on business calls super early in the morning um, so that I can catch US before they end their day. So I'm generally on business calls uh, anywhere between 6 to 7 a.m. until about 10 a.m. my time, which is about 4 p.m. Pacific onwards. Uh, so I'll do that in the morning. I start my day just jumping on my business calls, speaking to my clients, getting stuff done. And then I take a break and then I'll pick my son up from school and then I'll watch some TV and then I <laughs> catch up on my TV shows. Uh, and then I just kind of tend to get back to work around three or four. And that's when I'm speaking to my business managers that are in Poland and in Germany. So Europe is kind of waking up and um, I'm closing out my day. And then I, I work on my personal stuff in the afternoons, really all the businesses that I'm building and some of that stuff. So my morning goes to my clients and I take about four or five hour break. Uh, and then I pick up again. So I would say I work about 15 to 20 hours a week generally these days uh, as a conscious decision. But I know 2021 means I'm going to go back full time uh, when some of these tech companies are having to go out and I'm going to have to build that. So right now I'm just kind of enjoying the next two months of continuing to dream. But that's my general uh, general schedule nothing too exciting do you have a regular bedtime and wake time then yeah i do uh i probably go to bed around anywhere between 10 to 11 at night and then i'm up by i probably only sleep about four or five hours really i just wake up on my own and my brain starts buzzing so i'll probably be up starting 4 30 or 5 and then i wake up big no i'm kidding uh, and then i just kind calls. of yeah. keep dreaming <laughs> i've got my no i've got my son so he tends to wake up quite early in the morning so we enjoy some quiet time in the morning and then the nanny probably comes at about 7 or 8 in the morning and then i'm i'm on for work and then he gets sent to school and then so yeah that's about it I do uh, sleep is super important. So I'm very particular about sleep, but my body only kind of needs to have about five or six max. I can't really go beyond that. No, 
Not at all. I used to be, before I had a child, I would need seven or eight hours sleep. In fact, I would be one of those people who would be like, I cannot operate if I don't get seven or eight hours sleep. But something amazing happened with motherhood and something happened in the first like three months of having my child. I suddenly was like, I suddenly felt superhuman in the sense where my body, you know, I think our mind tells ourselves things that we tend to believe. When you say, I need seven or eight hours sleep, your body believes that. But as a new mom, I couldn't sleep seven to eight hours a night because my son, and up until he was four, mind you, would wake up every two to three hours. And so my sleep got very disruptive, but I had to live with this new state. But also, I realized when I had my child, I suddenly, I can't explain what happened to my brain. I felt like I had more than 24 hours in a day. And suddenly I realized that before my child, it may take me one hour to do something, but because I have this child screaming in the background, I need to do it in 10 minutes. And I just found a way to do it in 10 minutes. And if people thought I was uber productive before having a child, I became like amplified in productivity. And so I started to build a world where not only was I uber productive, but I used technology and systems. And I'm a very systems and processes person. That's what I kind of do with a lot of companies. I'm very operational based. So I operationalized my life. This is work. This is play. This is this. This is dreaming. And set myself up financially so I don't have to have the stress of always trying to make something each month. I'm in a situation where even if I don't work for two years, I'm very happy, but that was also planned. You know, I knew I wanted to get to this stage. Um, so yeah, so can do anything I want. And I seem to have more free time as time passes by. The more I do, I just have more free time because I've systemized it. But having a child was a blessing because I wouldn't have realized what it would mean to how I, I wouldn't feel challenged to step up to the plate if I didn't have um, a kid in the background. So super hack of Vina's have a baby. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> super <laughs> yeah, have productivity a baby. <laughs> hack, have a baby. <laughs> have a baby, but also eliminate that guilt. I think a lot of times we have kids, but we don't want to ask for help. And so I already knew even when I had my child that the first thing I was going to do, I was going to hire a, a night nanny. And so two or three times a week, I'd hire a night nanny. And so a night nanny would sleep with my child so I could get some sleep. I didn't hesitate hiring an, an, um, a full-time nanny Monday to Friday. I'm so lucky to have my parents close by and I got the help from my parents. And I got over the guilt of asking for help. And also it was not about the quantity time that I had with my child it's the quality time that I have with him so I would say Monday to Friday I probably only spend maximum four hours hands-on with my child here and there but it's the best four hours and I'm not on devices and I'm I'm not doing anything we just watch a lot of tv together too <laughs> <laughs> that's why you watch tv uh that's the real reason um Vina, uh, I think I'm going to wrap up there. I think this has been an incredibly inspirational, motivational podcast, and I've really enjoyed picking your mind and learning more about you. Um, any final tips for the listeners before we wrap up? Hmm. Well, I would say just in life, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Always learn and appreciate and even be open to reverse mentorship. And reverse mentorship is looking at the younger generation and seeing how they look at culture and strategy. So, you know, you want to learn from people who have made it, who are older than you. You want to learn from people who are younger than you. You want to learn from masterminds. You want to read books. You want to so always be a student, number one. Uh, number two, never burn bridges. Always just hold space for any area that you're in and know it's always happening for a reason. It's happening for you, not to you. Uh, always be diplomatic and um, figure out what your genius zone is. And that is a journey and you can't rush it. Um, and make the commitment to sit down and figure that out. And when you can figure that out and tap into it, I think the world's your oyster because when you're really in your genius zone, you show up in joy, in love. And, um, and if it inspires others to do the same, then I think it'll be a win-win. So those are the three main things I would, I would leave most people with. And for those who are listening and want to figure out what their genius zone is, pick up Gay Hendricks' book, The Big Leap, and his latest book that just came out, um, Conscious Luck. It is so good. And, uh, you know, you realize that life is 
there's a bit of alchemy in it too. You got to do a lot of structured things. You got to plan well, but also be open to alchemy and and work with that. And Conscious Lux a lot about that. I, I like the name of that book. I'm going to check that out. Cool. Okay, Vina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they can find you? Well, they can check me out at venasidhu.com. That's V-E-E-N-A-S-I-D-H-U.com. And uh, in a couple of weeks or months, well, maybe in a couple of weeks, uh, my, my website will be kind of redone. And so there'll a lot of the other stuff that I do that hasn't been on my site for a long time will start to show up. So you'll see stuff that I do on consultations, strategic partnerships, uh, and also the mentoring program that I have specifically for female executives um, and, and leaders. So yeah, so check me out at venasidu.com. But you know, if they need me, they can always hit you up too. I'm 100% off social media. So whoever's listening, don't even try to hit me up on Instagram or Facebook, because I ain't gonna reply. Um, yeah. So on my website, there is a contact form or LinkedIn. I'm there. So I, I love yeah. people that are off social media. I, I'm, I can't get off it right now. But I love people that are off it. Like it's just yeah. such a smart play. Oh, it's been a blessing. This November is going to be my one year anniversary. And I realized that if I stopped paying attention to what was going on on the outside, it, it amplified what I saw on the inside. So it helped me grow. In fact, I feel that I got more creative in business and mindset when I switched off social media. I like that. I'm going to have to yeah. try that out, actually. Yeah. Okay. Vina. Delegate. Delegate, Chris. Delegate, delegate. Vina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all your time with us. Really appreciate it. And thank listen. You so much. And listeners, we want to thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.